SQPN presents The Secrets of the Lord of the Rings. The battle for Middle-earth is about to begin. Where do you travel to find Middle-earth? How can you fight the shadows of Angmar? created the dwarves. I thought I'd die fighting side by side with an elf. Why are elves immortal? You will linger on in darkness and in doubt. It's nightfall in winter that comes without a star. What is the ultimate evil of Sauron? Join me on a quest for answers through the books, the movies, and the games that tell us the legendary adventures of hobbits, dwarves, men, and elves in Tolkien's Middle-earth. Hello and welcome to the second episode of The Secrets of the Lord of the Rings, coming to you straight from Middle-earth itself. Actually, I am in the game Lord of the Rings Online, The Shadows of Angmar, and I'm currently in the Shire that we all know and love, the place where all those hobbits live. And I'm actually uh, standing on one of the hills in front of a small stone gate that will lead me to Bag End, Bilbo's house, the place where all these adventures started. It's a beautiful day. If I look around me in the distance below, I can see the green hills of the Shire and uh, some mushrooms growing over there. <laughs> There's a wooden fence and... Uh, those beautiful big old trees and uh, it's still early in the morning so it's pretty quiet and I'm now walking over a, a small stone path upwards and uh, wow the weather is just fantastic here beautiful and there in the distance I can see Bag End and that's where I am now Bag End beautiful house let me just look at that it's built right under a big tree some hobbits are standing here with me in front of the house and when I turn around and uh, look at the uh, landscape below it is absolutely stunning this must be one of the most beautiful places in the Shire because it's really on the, on the top of a big hill and when you look down you can see a river and I think that's uh, some tents in the distance where they have their parties. Oh, there's the big tree. I can see it now where they have their... Um, you remember in um, the first movie of The Lord of the Rings, that's where they had the, the party with the fireworks. I can see it down there in the distance. But uh, since it's uh, still early in the morning, no hobbits to be seen there. And, you know, as far as the eye can see, you see the beautiful hills and then Beyond that, some uh, darker mountains. It's just a stunning sight. And today, in this uh, second episode of uh, the Secrets of the Lord of the Rings, we're gonna start. We're gonna talk about the start of this whole adventure, and we're gonna talk about uh, Bilbo and Frodo and how it all began. And um, before I tell you more about that, let's enter Bag End and explore this uh, wonderful house of Bilbo and Frodo. Let's knock on the door here. There we go. It's this big green round door. And here we are 
in this very familiar house. It's small, although for a hobbit this is big enough. And everything is round here. <laughs> the entrances to the, the, the various rooms of this house, they're all round. Everything is in wood, brown colors and green tapestry. In this room there are some candles and a... Huh, this is nice. Here's a painting on the wall of a big dragon. That must be the dragon that Bilbo slayed in uh, the adventure in the first book that Tolkien wrote about him, The Hobbit. And on the other end of the hallway there is a, a room and there's a fireplace here. And this might be a great place to just sit down here on one of the benches and tell you a bit more about uh, Bilbo and Frodo. Again here, uh, the room itself is pretty dark because the windows, the round windows of, of Bilbo's house are very small so there's not much uh, light streaming in and that's that's normal for hobbits. They like to, you know, be cozy and a bit hidden from the rest of the world. I think that also reflects their whole um, attitude and, and character. But it's a very cozy place here, sitting in, just in front of the, uh, the fireplace here. And this, so this is the house where it all began for Bilbo and also later for Fro Frodo, uh, Bilbo's cousin, or Bilbo's nephew. Tolkien told the adventures of The Hobbit from the perspective of Bilbo, as we all know. And Bilbo is a really a nice little fellow, lots of humor, always in for a joke. And uh, when he started to write the Lord of the Rings trilogy, Tolkien first wanted to reuse Bilbo as the main character of that new trilogy that he wanted to write. However, when he gave it some thought, Tolkien started to be afraid that Bilbo might be a bit too light-hearted for the drama that would unfold. And he wanted to have someone who would be a bit more serious. So, of course he could have come up with a son, for instance. That's one of the things that he considered. But the problem was, it was never set up in the book The Hobbit that Bilbo got married and had a child. So, that was, wasn't really an option, or he should establish that at the beginning of, of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and that would slow down the story. And what's more, Tolkien knew, of course, everything that was going to happen, and the big question that, uh, that, 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 that would emerge would be that you know, Bilbo would submit his own child to all this, this peril, to all this danger, and um, he, he wouldn't be able to walk away from all that and just leave his son in, in all this trouble. So instead, Tolkien came up with a new character, with his nephew. And he tells us how Bilbo adopted Frodo as his heir after Frodo's parents died in a boating accident. And Bilbo often referred to Frodo as his favorite nephew, although, if you take it formally, in fact, Frodo was Bilbo's first cousin. Now, Tolkien took his inspiration for this from old legends and tales in which the relation between an uncle and his nephew often played a major role. Now, I'll tell you a bit more about it, but let's first uh, leave this room a bit and walk through the house here and see what else we can discover. This is an abandoned area of the house. There are a lot of, there's a lot of furniture. <laughs> I guess that Bilbo used this part of the house as a, almost like an attic, because of course a uh, this, this seems to be a kitchen. Well, since these, since these, um, these hobbit houses are built under the ground, there, there is no attic, so you have to use part of the room for the storage of all your trophies and stuff that Bilbo gathered during his travels. Here's, so here's a kitchen, here's another fireplace. Some nice flute music. 
By the way, I can't see who is playing the flute here. <laughs> and uh, here's another painting on the wall. This is a painting of a horse. And that's a very convenient transport, I think. Although, hobbits never ride horses. They're too small for that. They need ponies. And this here on the wall looks like a big map of Middle-earth, if I'm not mistaken. Of course, uh, Bilbo kept these maps, as we've seen in the, in the Fellowship of the Ring. Let's go outside here. Uh, because he, uh, you know, he was still thinking about the ring and what might be his mission. So we're outside again. Sun is still shining. It's still early in the morning. There are two hobbits standing here. This is uh, Lobelia and uh, their family because they they also have Baggins in their in their family name. So let's go sit here on these two uh, on one of these two chairs here in the sunlight, overlooking the beautiful valley below. Let's talk a bit more about this uh, theme of um, of an uncle and his nephew that Tolkien took from the old legends. Now in these old stories, the uncle would sometimes take the place of the father when this father would die in a battle or through illness or some misfortune. And in some legends, the nephew becomes even more important than his un uncle in the long run. Take, for instance, the stories about King Arthur. Arthur had a nephew called Sir Gawain, and uh, Sir Gawain was considered to be the greatest knight of the round table. Gawain, in uh, most of these stories, both the French versions and the uh, English versions that we have, is often portrayed as a formidable but kind of brash warrior, very loyal to his king and the family. He's a friend for many young knights, he's a defender of the poor, he's also a ladies' man, and uh, his strength is, you know, at his highest level during daylight but as soon as the sun sets his strength kind of fades away and he's got a big knowledge of herbs which makes him a great healer um, that that knowledge of herbs and the healing powers of the hero and of the main characters in these stories is, is also something that Tolkien took and used for characters like uh, like Strider um, and Aragorn of course and also the elves now of course Frodo doesn't really appear as a hero right from the start, quite contrary, and we'll discover why this is later in this episode. But through the adventures in The Lord of the Rings, Frodo grows, he learns, he becomes wiser, and in the end will reveal himself as the real hero of the story. And he's a, an even bigger hero, more important than Bilbo, his uncle. So you can see that Tolkien follows the same narrative structure that you can see in the tales about, uh, uh, about King Arthur. Now, uh, another example from history is Charlemagne, or Charles the Great, in Latin, Carolus Magnus, who ruled over a large part of Europe at the beginning of the 9th century. In the stories about Charlemagne, his nephew, Roland, also plays an important role. Roland was a very popular, legendary fig figure in medieval Europe. Uh, over several centuries, he became almost like a pop icon in medieval min minstrel culture. And according to many legends, he was a nephew of Charlemagne. We don't know if this was true or not, but it doesn't matter. In the stories, he is. And um, he, uh, his whole life was a big adventure. He, uh, he is, is brought forward as a noble Christian who is killed, unfortunately, by Islamic forces at one point. And uh, his tale is retold in uh, a poem 
that dates back to the 11th century, which is called the Song of Roland, which is really, really famous. And uh, in that story, he has a signaling horn called the Oliphant. And he has a, and this is interesting, he has a very special sword, an unbreakable sword. And it is special and, and unbreakable because it's protected by various Christi Christian relics. And the sword is called Durandal. Now that could come straight from one of Tolkien's books. The sword is said to contain within the hilt one tooth of St. Peter, the blood of St. Basil, a hair of St. Denis, and a piece of the raiment of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And that gives the, the sword its strength. Now, when I read that, I immediately had to think about Frodo's special sword, the one that Bilbo gave him, Sting, the sword that protects him and that glows up whenever orcs are near. And uh, we might do another episode of this podcast where we talk about the, the significance of these swords in the story. Because there are a lot of uh, similar uh, stories about swords and weapons in medieval tales and, and legends. Now, a, a third story that inspired Tolkien in his portrayal of the relationship between Bilbo and his nephew or cousin Frodo uh, is that of Beowulf. Now, Beowulf is, again, a, a really, really famous uh, heroic epic poem, and it tells the adventures of Beowulf, the nephew of the king. Again, nephew of the king. And Beowulf defeats a monster that no one else could slay, and in the end becomes the king himself, so he almost surpasses his, uh, his uncle. So, you can see that Tolkien... Uh, you know, really is, is very knowledgeable about all these tales. And, you know, it was his, his job to, <laughs> to read all that stuff and to teach about it. But uh, he took a lot of these elements when he was thinking, you know, how can we start this, this big, big adventure of the Lord of the Rings? And, and uh, that's how he came up with Frodo as uh, Bilbo's nephew or cousin. Now, in many legends, fairy tales, mythological stories, and also in biblical texts, the main character, the hero, often starts off as a very modest person, not a hero at all. And sometimes the to-be hero is even a bit weird, not at all a natural-born hero. Think of the humble beginnings of a character like Moses in the Bible, who was born in very difficult conditions, uh, son of the Hebrews, living in slavery in Egypt, or Joseph, son of Jacob, sold as a slave by his brothers. And even Jesus starts as the son of a carpenter, born in very modest, poor conditions, very difficult situation. Now, when we first meet Frodo, again, he too is not at all the typical hero. If you read how Tolkien describes him, he comes across as being a bit stiff, uh, you know, very uncertain, very quickly afraid, a bit shy even. And Frodo, like Bilbo, um, was considered by many others in Hobbiton to be a bit odd. Because Frodo was fascinated by, you know, stories about elves and, uh, you know, he wanted to know more about the outside world, about faraway places. He loved listening to Bilbo's stories uh, about the dragon and all the, you know, the new countries that, that, that Bilbo discovered during his travels. And that was so different from the other hobbits whose you know preference was to be to stay at home and who cares about the rest of the world we're happy here in, in the shire and and you know when i look around me and i and i admire the beautiful landscape and, and the flowers and the, the valley below i i can understand why they why they became like that i mean who wouldn't want to live here in the shire it's so beautiful 
Anyway, uh, so Frodo wasn't at all uh, the typical hero. And um, another thing that is, uh, that is interesting about Frodo is that, like many heroes in myth and legend, he is an orphan. He has lost his parents in a boating accident. Again, think of stories like the one about Moses, who is adopted by the daughter of the pharaoh. Or even in modern-day uh, mythology, you could say, Harry Potter in the books of J.K. Rowling. Harry Potter is, too, is an orphan too, and he's adopted by his horrible Uncle Vernon and his Aunt Petunia after his, uh, his parents died in the horrible attack by, uh, by Voldemort. However, there is a reason why uh, Frodo starts off as a very simple guy. Why in most of these myths and legends and fairy tales, the hero often starts off you know, as, a, as a, almost a, an anti-hero. These humble beginnings reveal a number of important things. First of all, it reveals that the call to adventure or the vocation that the hero receives does not come from within the hero itself. In biblical stories, it's God who calls. It's God who gives the hero the strength he needs. Or think of Jesus who calls his first disciples. These, these first disciples are not, you know, fantastic people with lots of talents and high society people. No, they're just very simple fishermen, regular people, people like you and me. And Jesus will give them the power that they will need for their missions whenever they will start their, their mission. So the strength is not from within, it's, it's given to them as a, as a gift and also the vocation is given to them from an outside source. In many stories and legends, the challenge will come from the outside. And that focuses the story on the real question. What are the choices that the main character will make? Will the hero accept the challenge? Will he dare to leave his home? Will he dare to leave his friends and family behind to make sacrifices to start this adventure, to follow up on this vocation? It's a question I think that we all encounter in our own lives as well. Most of us are, you know, are not natural born heroes. We live normal lives. However, every one of us will face challenges and sometimes very big challenges in our lives. And, and the big question, of course, is what do we do? Do we dare or do we refuse to take on ourselves the mission that we receive? And I think because it's such a universal thing in our lives, that is why we can relate to these stories so well. That is why, in one way or another, we kind of identify with Frodo, with Bilbo, with Jesus, with Moses, with all these heroes in, in the stories that we tell. We, too, um, have to grow. And that is the second important reason for these humble beginnings. The... the the story itself will show how much the main character will grow and learn from the adventures that he goes through. The story of Frodo, in a way, is a metaphor of our own life. We all learn, we grow, we sometimes fall, and then we, we, we pick ourselves up from the ground. We continue, we gain experience. And hopefully, just like Frodo, we will discover more and more who we are called to be, what our mission in life is, and we will gain in strength and virtue. Now, Tolkien loved this theme of transformation. It's a bit like the ugly duckling that turns into a beautiful swan. Frodo too, and also uh, some of the other characters in Lord of the Rings, like Pippin or Merry or Sam, turn from homebound hobbits 
into real heroes, willing to sacrifice their lives for their friends. And what about very old friends? And friends are always welcome here at the Secrets of the Lord of the Rings podcast. And uh, in the first episode, I invited you to send in some comments and to tell me what you think about this podcast and how I can improve it. And uh, I'm very glad to have received uh, quite a bit of email and uh, quite a few comments on the blog at sqpn.com. First of all, uh, Fred from the Netherlands... um, uh, mails me, this is just a fantastic podcast, and he, he blogs about it on his blog in, in Dutch. And Fred, uh, by the way, is from Zoetermeer, and that's funny because that's where I did my my um, secondary school, so I know the city very well, and uh, he has a very complimentary uh, 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 piece on his, on, on, on his blog, so that's really great. I'm also happy to, um, to tell you that iTunes has picked up on The Secrets of the Lord of the Rings, and it's featured in the, uh, if you type in Lord of the Rings, you can see the, uh, the, uh, the podcast and uh, the icon featured among the other great uh, Lord of the Rings podcasts out there. Um, I received an email from uh, Jocelyn who writes, Dear Father Roderick, I'm a long listener of your Daily Breakfast podcast and I was very excited to hear about your new podcast, Secrets of the Lord of the Rings. My favorite podcaster is making a podcast about my favorite subject. How terrific is that? I am an avid Tolkien fan and my ultimate goal is to read all of Tolkien's works. I have read the actual trilogy four times so far, and I'm starting for the fifth time. Anyway, the real reason that I'm writing is to tell you about some good books from which you could get some more material for your podcast. Right now, I'm reading J.R.R. Tolkien, Author of the Century, by Tom Shippey. And it goes into great detail about the influence of old languages and religion that contributed to everything from names to storylines in Tolkien's work. Sounds interesting. I also recommend the book Tolkien and the Great War, The Threshold of Middle-Earth by John Garth, which tells about how the war and the death of his friends had on Tolkien. And that is another uh, theory that many experts of Tolkien um, have, that, that the, the Second World War has played in a major role in the development of the themes of war, of evil, and the fight against evil in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. So the book by John Garth, can shed some light on that. And uh, Jocelyn also writes, there is another biography about Tolkien by Humphrey Carpenter, but I don't have that book or the new Children of Hurin book. I hope to get both for my 26th birthday, which is in 10 days. And this email was written to me six days ago, so that would be in four days. (laughs) Happy birthday to you already. And uh, Jocelyn will send a review when uh, when the book is, uh, is there. So thanks a lot for that feedback and for those tips. I will def- definitely try to find those books and, uh, and read them. Now here is uh, an email from uh, Lois Rose from Maryland. And uh, uh, Lois writes, My husband and I are faithful listeners of several of your podcasts, and being great Middle-earth fans as well, we were looking forward to your new podcast, Secrets of the Lord of the Rings. However, I'm sorry to say that we were very disappointed. The Secret of Harry Potter and The Secret of Star Wars both dealt with correlations between religious and mythological themes and the story. From your description of the new podcast, we were expecting a discussion of the mythical and religious themes in the Tolkien books too, but instead we got an intro into the Shadows of Angmar video game. 
Listening to the letters at the end of the podcast, I understood why you did this, but if the podcast is only going to be about the game, it should be renamed Exploration of the Lord of the Rings Through the Shadows of Angmar. Don't get me wrong, I think the game could be used as a vehicle to guide the discussions through Middle-earth, but only if you stop at a place, character, or event from one of the books and actually discuss its significance, uh, then it will work. The frequent battles in the game only distract. We enjoy your other podcasts and hope you will continue your podcasting efforts for many years to come. Well, Lois, thank you for that feedback, and I think you have a point there. On the other hand, um, the you know the last episode was the first episode in which I kind of tried to establish the podcast and was just having some fun walking around in Middle Earth. I don't think that any other podcaster has ever done that. And uh, I agree with you that we didn't talk that much about mythology and uh, the themes within the Lord of the Rings trilogy. But that is why I made this second episode, and I hope you enjoyed this one much more, because this one goes into the core of the matter, you know, why uh, does did Tolkien establish the characters the way he did? And the next few episodes will be in this, in this same, you know, perspective. And however... I just love the game because you, you can be in Middle-earth. And uh, that's why I chose to present this podcast from within Middle-earth. And the next podcast, I will search for another location. And I will tell you another story about the mythological uh, and the legends that, you know, the mythological background and the legends that Tolkien used to tell his story. So uh, I hope you enjoy this, uh, this extra atmosphere. Uh, I think it's, you know, at least for me, as a podcaster, I love just podcasting from within Middle Earth. Here is an email from Tyler. And Tyler writes, I really enjoyed your podcast and I am, like you, not an expert, but but I really enjoy all the things that Tolkien has put together over the years. I use a Macintosh computer, so at the moment I cannot uh, run uh, Lord of the Rings Shadows of Angmar, but I do play Wor- World of Warcraft. And in my opinion, it should be a compliment that a game is like World of Warcraft for uh, its in-game play is the best I've seen yet. And I would like to someday, someday get Windows for my machine and play the game. Anyway, I have another non-computer game of Lord of the Rings that may interest you and your colleagues. It is a pencil and paper role-playing game, and it's called, of course, the Lord of the Rings role-playing game. It's published by Decipher. I enjoy it because it is an opportunity to step into the world of Middle-earth, and it runs on the greatest graphics platforms ever created. Your mind. That is true. That is true. Basically, you have a narrator and other players. The narrator does just that. Narrates the scenes that are going on and you as players decide what your character does in reaction to these events. And it's all based in the world that Tolkien made. Unfortunately, this game is um, now less popular since uh, it, uh, it started near the release of the movies. However, it's my goal to combine this game... Uh, along wait a second I don't think that this phrase is totally correct however it is my goal to combine this game along with a little devotional for the players as a ministry tool not sure exactly what you mean by that Um, but Tyler continues I'm sure you know Tolkien did not intend for his works to be an allegory of the Bible however the battle of good and evil and his Christian views come through in his works Well, I totally agree with that. And that's one of the things that we will explore in this podcast. Let's see. Here's another um, email sent in by Ostein Nudvet. (laughs) I'm sure that I butchered that name. And Ostein writes, "Uh, Dear uh, Father Roderick, I really enjoyed your podcast and I was really in doubt whether or not to buy this new game or not. Uh, I was afraid that it would destroy my mental pictures uh, of the book. 
But um, I survived the movies, so I changed my mind. <laughs> so I'm going to buy it real soon. And maybe we can meet online one day. Then about the podcast. I understand that you had to set the groundwork for future podcasts. That was no problem. As the title of the podcast indicates, it is really about the secrets of Lord of the Rings. So I have a little suggestion. That's great. As you probably know, the Lord of the Rings has layers upon layers upon layers of details, connections, etc. that you don't notice before uh, un until you read the books maybe four or five times. Also, the Christian message hid in the books is important to point out. When I read it the first time, I didn't, didn't notice anything about Christianity. I didn't really look for it either. Tolkien himself said that he razored, every, uh, he razored off everything that had to do with religion um, since the hidden layer of Christianity was far enough. Uh, again, I'm not exactly sure that I understand what you say, but uh, I, I understand, uh, Erstein, that you're not a native English speaker, so that might uh, um, be the cause of that. Uh, Erstein continues, I think it would be interesting to talk about these hidden meanings that Tolkien uh, hid in within the text. I recommend a book by a Catholic philosopher that you might have heard of, Peter Kraft, which is called The Philosophy of Tolkien. Another good book is The Gospel According to Tolkien, Visions of the Kingdom in Middle-Earth by Ralph Wood. Just some suggestions. Well, that's very, very interesting. Thank you for those uh, suggestions, and I will certainly check it out uh, if I have time to read all that. Well, I think that kind of wraps it up for this episode of the podcast, uh, the second episode. I hope you enjoyed listening to the um, the this... this uh, you know, a story about Bilbo and Frodo and the inspiration that uh, Tolkien took of medieval stories about uh, Beowulf, about Charlemagne, and uh, about King Arthur and their uh, nephews. I regret to announce this is the end. I'm going now. I bid you all a very fond farewell. And you can send in your email to lordoftherings at sqpn.com or you can leave your comments on the blog at www.sqpn.com. I'm Father Roderick. Have a great day and see you next time. God bless. SQPN, the best in Catholic podcasting.